One person's trash is another person's treasure. Ever heard that saying? You know that one? Um, I was thinking about that during the week because the trick with that saying is that you have to know what's trash and what's treasure, right? And sometimes it's hard to know what's trash and what's treasure. Uh, When I was a kid, um, I grew up collecting stamps, um, which is a bit of a weird thing now, but uh, if you were born in the 1970s or you know anyone who was born in the 1970s, uh, collecting stamps was a really big thing back then and lots of people collected stamps. When, when I say I collected stamps, um, really my father collected stamps for me. And we had these little stamp albums and we would studiously take all of the, the stamps and the letters. Uh, we'd, uh, we'd tear them off. You'd have to put them in water to soak off the glue. Anyone know? There's a couple of heads nodding from older people. Um, you'd soak them off and then you'd dry them on paper towel and then you'd, you'd stick the stamps in the little albums. And, you know, if you ever got a, a whole set, like, you know, all the stamps in the series that was released, that was terrific. The other thing that, uh, that we uh, collect as part of this stamp collecting thing is we got first day covers. Does anyone know what a first day cover is? I don't even know if they do them anymore, but they certainly did then, which is every time Australia Post released a new stamp, they would print an envelope, uh, just a standard uh, letter size envelope. They'd print it with the stamp design printed on it, and there was logo and whatever all over the envelope. And the idea was that this special envelope was a bit like a minted coin, right? This special envelope was to uh, sort of commemorate or to mark the release of a new stamp. And so every time a new stamp was released... Uh, you would go and you would buy uh, the first day cover, it was called from that. And the idea, of course, was that you would keep these things in pristine condition, keep them uh, locked away safely in a box, and in years to come, you would have this whole collection of first day covers, you know, representing every stamp released uh, by the post office, and this collection will be worth huge, millions, that's right, huge amounts of money. Well, guess what? They're not worth anything. <laughs> and a, a couple of years ago, I found this, uh, this box of stamps, of first day covers, uh, in my house. And I went to uh, this stamp collecting guy and I said, look, got this whole thing, what are they worth? And it turns out they're basically worth the cost of the stamp and the envelope. Uh, so in reality, I could have just got a, an envelope and stuck a regular stamp on it. It was the same cost, right? Um, <clears throat> So, you know, the point is that, you know, it's hard to know. Like, we thought this thing was going to be treasure. It turned into something kind of less than treasure. Of course, there's stories the other way, aren't there? There are stories where people find something in the trash or they find something, you know, sitting in a back shed. There's TV shows around this, you know, and it turns out to be something that's worth a stack of money. And and, and these people, you know, while I was quite uh, um, downhearted about my lack of wealth from my first day covers... The opposite can be equally true, and you know you find something, and all of a sudden you're crazy rich. Of course, sometimes um, there is treasure in our life that we don't realise is treasure. You know, something that we kind of take for granted, and it's actually treasure. Um, when I first had children, actually, I didn't have the children. My wife had children. I pretty much just stood around and got in the way. If you're a dad, you know how that works. So I should say, when we first had children, one of the things that experienced parents said to us was, and I'm sure you know what I'm about to say, they said, treasure the moments. 
You've heard the, you know, treasure those early years because kids grow up so fast. And I can tell you, when my children were, you know, one and two and three and four years of age and they're not sleeping through the night and I'm not sleeping through the night and it takes 10 minutes to pack the car to go anywhere and, you know, if, if you don't have dinner at six o'clock, people are screaming and crazy. You know. In those first years, my children didn't always feel like treasure. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I loved them, but it didn't feel... The, these children did not feel like treasure to me. Um, in fact, you know, sometimes it felt like those early years, like, will this ever end? You know, what were these people thinking when they say, the time flies by? You know, you're stuck in those early years and thinking, will this ever end? <clears throat> of course, now I've got two kids who've left school and own cars and have jobs and my... My third child's in uh, about to finish year nine and go into year ten, and she's just got her first job. And they were right. All of a sudden, those years... How did that happen? All of a sudden, those years flew by. And so, of course, now, when I meet first-time uh, parents or soon-to-be parents, what do I say to them? I say, treasure those moments. As hard as it is, treasure those early years because they just fly by. The trick in both these sort of stories or scenarios is for us to know what to treasure, to know the true value of the things around us, to know what's really treasure and what's really not. We're about to start a new series that we're calling Hidden Treasure, and I want to dig into this, uh, this idea of treasure because I noticed in, in the Bible that um, the writers of the Bible talk about treasure quite a bit. And sometimes when they talk about treasure, they're talking about, you know, gold and, and, and stuff. You know, they talk about people finding treasure and, and you know, fighting over treasure. Um, but often they're talking about a different kind of treasure. Proverbs 2 verse 4, it talks about seeking wisdom as finding hidden treasure. It says seeking wisdom is like finding hidden treasure. In Isaiah 45 3, uh, God speaks through uh, the prophet Isaiah, he speaks to King Cyrus and he says this, he says, I will give you hidden treasure, riches stored in secret places. And when you read the other verses uh, around that, I'm not going to read them all, when you read the other verses around that, it, it's clear that he's talking about something more than just physical treasure. right? He's just talking about more than something silver and gold. It's probably that, but, but, but God is going to bless this king with something more than just the silver and gold kind of treasure. Jesus often used uh, the word and the idea of treasure uh, as an analogy to talk about God. Uh, Jesus talked about treasure in heaven. Jesus talked about uh, the phrase, you might have heard this, he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Um, uh, we don't use the word treasure very much today, and, and maybe that's because for most of us, our wealth is just a digital number uh, that appears on the screen. You know, we don't stack up wealth in terms of silver and gold so much anymore. Um, but for Jesus, when, when he talks about treasure, I mean, in his day, uh, finding treasure was like winning the lottery. You know, that was the thing that dreams were made of. That was the thing that people sat around and talked about and thought about, you know, what would happen if I found treasure? What would happen if I found buried treasure? In the same way that we might talk about what would happen if I won the lottery. This was the thing that dreams were made of. And this is interesting to me 
Because I don't get the sense that most of us look at God and look at the things of God like treasure. I mean, maybe we go to church, maybe we read our Bible, maybe we pray, but it's not exactly like winning the lottery for most of us, is it? Um, And so I got to thinking, reading what Jesus is saying here, maybe we're missing something. Maybe all this talk of treasure and all this talk of God, maybe there's something more that we're not quite tapping into, we're not quite, pardon the pun, sort of digging into enough. So friends, in this series, we are going to go treasure hunting. Um, We're going to go hunting for hidden treasure, Jesus style. We're going to begin with one of the shortest stories that Jesus tells. Jesus tells lots of stories uh, in the Bible that are often called parables, these short teaching stories. We're going to begin this week with one of the shortest of all the parables, all the stories that Jesus tells. If you've got a Bible, we're in Matthew chapter 13, and it's just a single verse, verse 44, Matthew 13, 44. If you struggle to find Matthew, it's about two-thirds of the way through the Bible, uh, all the guys' names together, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Skip through and you'll find it. Matthew's the first of them. Matthew 13, 44, we got it? Jesus teaching them and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven, or in in other parts of the Bible you might have heard it as the kingdom of God, it's the same thing. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. He said it's like hidden treasure. Uh, The kingdom of heaven is Jesus' way of talking about uh, life lived with God. He's talking about uh, seeing the world the way that God sees it. The kingdom of of heaven is is an idea that sort of within this world is is another world, God's world. It's it's a way of living when we're we're living by the values and the ideas and the beliefs uh, and the behaviours that are godly, that are of God. And he says that discovering that kind of life, discovering and living that kind of life, is like discovering hidden treasure. And now I get that for most of us, when you talk about discovering hidden treasure, that might seem a bit like fairy tale. You know, this is a bit Pirates of the Caribbean, because uh, we don't really think about hidden treasure very much. But for Jesus' listeners, this was a common thing. Hidden treasure was a, was, a, was a thing in his day. It's not really a thing now, is it? Um, but for Jesus' first listeners, hidden treasure was a thing. Because there weren't, uh, there weren't banks and money the way that there are now. There were sort of some kind of banks. Um, but what there were weren't very secure. And there was a lot of theft, a lot of robbery. And so people tended to store their wealth, to convert their wealth into things like silver and gold. And then they would hide those, they would store those by hiding them on their property somewhere. Many people were farmers, and so they would literally hide them in the field somewhere and and often make a map or leave some kind of clues so they remembered where they'd hidden them. But of course what happened is that sometimes people forgot. 
Sometimes people suddenly died. Uh, the map got lost. Sometimes war or famine or other things sort of abruptly drove people off their field. And they didn't have time to take their treasure with them. And so it was quite common uh, for other people, for subsequent landowners, people, sometimes maybe generations afterwards, to stumble across and to find hidden treasure. And so, you know, what would you do when you found the hidden treasure? Well, if it was a small amount, you might kind of dig it up and just take it with you. But if you found something that was large, if you found something that was going to take you uh, you know, a, a day or days to dig up. You couldn't just sort of, you know, a bit of someone else's field, if you were just out for a walk and, and you found treasure, you couldn't just dig it up. So, so what you would do is, is you would go and you would just, you know, you would say to the farmer, hey, you know, that, I like that field. That would be good for my... Can I buy that off you? And you would buy the field, you know, pretending that you're buying it just because you wanted to farm there. But in fact, the reason you're buying it because you knew there was hidden treasure in that field. So imagine finding a treasure, imagine finding a treasure hidden in a field that was so significant, that was so valuable, that you were willing to sell everything you had. You know, imagine going home to your, your partner, to your wife, to your husband, to your kids and say, we're selling our house, we're selling the donkey, we're selling the sheep, we're selling your clothes, we're selling your toys, kids, we're selling everything we've got. Because if we can get a, or your Lego collection, exactly. Imagine selling, <laughs> he's shaking his head going, no one's selling my Lego collection. <clears throat> but the point is, you would be willing to do that because you would know that if you could get a hold of that field, it would be worth way, way more than all that you just sold. And Jesus is saying, this is a picture of how valuable life with God is. This is a picture, an image, an analogy of just how amazingly valuable God is to us as people. Jesus wants you to understand just how valuable and extraordinary God is. And let's be honest, that's the trick for most of us. Because it's actually really easy to miss the value in a relationship with God. It's easy to underestimate the value of God in our life, to underestimate the value of a life with God. And I was thinking about wine, and I think it's because it's free to come to church. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's free, certainly in this country, it's free to come to church. It's free to sing the songs when we worship in church. But if you want to go and hang out with Ed Sheeran and sing songs with him, you have to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars to go to that concert. It's free to listen to me talk and teach up the front here. But if you want to go and listen uh, to, Tony Roberts, uh, to Tony Robbins you know, talk about his ideas for life, if you want to go and listen to some business consultant or life coach uh, or psychologist, you know, you've got to pay lots of money. In some cases, some cases thousands of dollars to hear those people share their ideas. I mean, if you want to join a church, it's free. I mean, in most cases, churches are actively inviting people to say, you know, come and join, come and be a part of this. But if you want to join a local golf club or, or you know, some other kind of club, there's often a membership fee. In some cases, there's a waiting list 
that you've got to get on. You know, there's an interview process to say, you know, there's so, so that creates a value. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, just before you all get crazy, I'm not saying that singing worship songs is like singing Ed Sheeran songs. I'm not saying that listening to me is like listening to Tony Robbins. I'm not saying that joining a church is like joining a golf club. But it does make us think about the value of these things, doesn't it? Because some things we naturally assign a value to, and, and, and so they seem more valuable to us than something that is free to us. The result is that it's so easy to take church, to take the things of God for granted, because they're just there and they're just free. And of course, this is Jesus' point, isn't it? This is Jesus' point that 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 just like uh, that just like sort of people in those fields, you know, you can you could be walking past that field every day and have no idea how valuable that field is. You could be standing you could be standing on top of the treasure in that field and have no idea the value of the place that you're standing on because you don't know what's hidden under the ground right there. People don't recognise the value of faith. And I think that's maybe because we calculate the value in the wrong way. I mean, I think sometimes maybe people think about the value of faith by thinking about the, the sort of the production value of the worship and things. You know, that, that, that's really valuable because the singers are awesome and the lights are great and there's a smoke machine and whatever, you know, so that's kind of valuable. Do you know what I'm saying? Or people go, well, that, that speaker's really good. You know, he makes me laugh and she makes me cry and he's super motivational. So, so there's value in that. You know, I, I love going to that church or that place because they're so friendly. You know, there's a lot of value there because I've got so many friends. All my friends go there, so there's value in that. But that's not the treasure that Jesus talked about. In fact, Jesus never talked about that kind of treasure. You know, Jesus never talked about the value of, he never talked about what happens in a church meeting on a weekend. To put it another way, Jesus didn't come to set up cool churches. Jesus came to give people life. Jesus came to bring peace and joy to people on earth. People came to demonstrate what love looks like in a world full of hate. People came to, seal, to, to heal the sick and to restore the broken. He came to forgive sin and to bring us back into relationship with God. He, he came to show people a way to live, a new way to live. He came to show people a better way to live. Jesus came to show people what real life looked like. You know, what, what life could look like. Jesus came to open our eyes, uh, to kind of blow our minds, to open our hearts to a whole new way of living, to a whole new perspective on life and on God. And I want to tell you this morning, that's the treasure that Jesus is talking about. That's the hidden treasure of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of heaven. And when you get that, when you start to see that 
and experience that in your life, it's worth everything. That's the treasure that people will sell everything to get. That's what makes people say, you know, in their joy, they went, he went and sold everything he had. When you understand that value, no one has to, has to twist your arm or motivate you. You know, if you find treasure in a field, no one has to say, well, I think you should buy it. You know, maybe should we buy it? You know, you know if you know the value of that, you, you want that. You're, you're, you're running to get it with joy. Do you see that? You know, no one's got to convince you to buy the field. And Jesus is saying that's what the kingdom of God, that, that's what life with God is like. When you really get that, no one's going to have to convince you and make a cool argument and, and you know, sell you with a sausage sizzle and you know, games for the kids and whatever. You know, you're going to want to be there. You'd be knocking down the door. You'd be selling everything you had to get that kind of life. And friends, that's the kind of life that Jesus offers us. That's the life that he talks about again and again in so many ways uh, through the Gospels, through his time here on earth. So right now, there's three groups of people listening to me. The first group are the people who think I'm deranged. Uh, I'm deluded and this is all a fairy tale. That's totally fine. I get that. That's all cool. The second group are the people who are listening to me and saying, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and, and they're kind of itching to get up where I am and saying, I sold everything. I, I can tell you what I've given up. And man, I don't regret it for a moment. Uh, and just start, you know, spontaneously telling, you've probably met some of these people, you know, these crazy people around churches who just can't stop telling you about how good God is and the things that he's done in their lives. And then there's a third group of people. And they're the people who, if we're really honest, are just not 100% sure. They're people who may believe in God. They're people who go to church. But honestly, deep down inside, in a way that is sometimes a little awkward to admit, they're not 100% convinced of the value of a life lived with God. I mean, when someone says God is good, they nod their head and agree, God's good. But so is my family, my job, my hobbies, my dreams. That stuff's all good too. And if that's you, I want to say, I understand. I've lived like that. I grew up in a church, um, so I kind of always sort of believed in God. Um, but deep down, I'm, there was a lot of my life where I wasn't really ready to, in inverted commas, sell everything. I mean, God was okay, all this church stuff, it was all okay. But there were other things in my life that were okay too. I mean, you know, I, I, I didn't mind believing in God, but I'm not sure what I was willing to give up for. And I'm not sure, you know, how, how bad I was going to chase this thing because... There were other things in my life that I loved and I wanted to chase. You know, there were hobbies and, and there was study and there was a career and there were girls and, you know, there, was, there were holidays to be had and, and, and things to buy and, and, you know, there were a bunch of other things. That, and, and God, it was probably just one thing in a list of many things. You know what I'm saying? 
But over time, I have learned or God has taught me, really by the grace of God, this isn't a statement in in how clever I am. Over time, by the grace of God, I have leaned more and more into God in my life. And I've discovered that he is gold. That he is gold. I mean, I'm still learning this today. I haven't arrived. Don't don't get me wrong. Um, I, I am still learning to trust him more and more. I am still leaning into him more and more. But I can tell you that as I do, as I continue to lean into him, as I continue to trust him, Jesus is just getting better and better and better in my life. So if you're in this third group today, if you're living like, you know, God is okay and and it's all good, you know, but I'm not sure I would really describe him as as treasure, you know, not in that in that literal sense. I could sing a song with it, but I'm not sure I could I could really say that. I want to encourage you today. As I used to say to my kids when they were little, I used to put three fingers up to them and I used to say, have a go. Have a go. Lean in to God. James, James, who was Jesus' brother, um, uh, after Jesus' life, after his death and resurrection and his ascension into heaven, James would write a letter uh, to people in the early church and he would say this. He would say, come near to God and he will come near to you. It's James's way of saying, you know that, don't you? You love that verse, don't you? It's James's way of saying, if you will dig into God, like the, the, more, the more you dig into God, the more that you explore him, the more that you uh, talk to him and listen to him, the more time that you spend in his word, reading about him, the more time that you spend in prayer, getting to know him. And I know some of that stuff's awkward to begin with, but the more you will lean into that, the more you will trust him in an everyday sense, the more you will follow him. And I mean, follow him completely, regardless of what the circumstances, uh, the consequences seem to be in the short term. The more that you do that, you will discover a treasure more valuable and more wonderful than you could ever imagine. That's what James means when he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Some of us are standing in a field right now. And it's a good place. Nice outlook, birds, trees, river across the corner. It's a great place to be. But we have no idea that right under our feet is a buried treasure. We've just got a little taste of it. You know, come to church and it's good, a little taste of it. But we have no idea of the real value that God is offering us. Jesus came to show us what a life with God is like. And Jesus wants you to know that life with God is good. It's not easy, not comfortable, but it is good. It's like discovering treasure in a field. It's like discovering treasure hidden in a field.
And when you find it, what do you do? You go and you sell everything you have. You'll do whatever you can to buy that field. So what's stopping you? Grab a spade and let's get digging. Start digging into God more and discover the hidden treasure that is sitting right under our feet. Thank you.